I would say if the authorities didn't want us involved in the public square, they ought not to have crucified Jesus in the public square. Use humanistic principles. Well, I would say the Dan, same idea. Yeah, I would say same that. Hand. I would say, what's the problem with Stardust bumping into Stardust? In the in the cosmic picture, no, there's no problem. In the oh, cosmic right. picture, it won't matter. No, Mr. President, you are not protecting reproductive freedom. You are authorizing the destruction of freedom for one million little human beings every year. I'm sorry, my friends, but I am tired of seeing Jesus presented as a weak beggar. He is a powerful Savior, and the Gospel is not a suggestion, it is a command. Reverend Mola, don't you sympathize with that? I sympathize with every single human heart wishing to know the one true and living God, but I believe there's only one way that that can happen through Jesus Christ, and the Gospel is about repenting of sin, not celebrating it. adventure. We will explore the spiritual abyss. You have not experienced this before. You're gonna love it. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Revelation chapter 1, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Apologia Radio. You can get more at ApologiaStudios.com. That's A-P-O-L-O-G-I-A Studios.com. Go there, get all the past episodes. You can get all of the different podcasts that happen here at Apologia Studios, from Provoke to Sheologians to Cultish and Apologia Radio. A whole history of podcasts and great shows for you to um, listen to, delight in, and grow in. And uh, this is the gospel heard around the world. Encourage everybody to make sure you sign up for your Bonson U account. It is completely for free at ApologiaStudios.com. You can learn from one of the greatest in the history of the Christian church, theologians, um, philosophers, apologists, uh, Dr. Greg Bonson. Uh, we are continuously uh, putting up all the uh, content from Dr. Bonson from his seminary days, from his lecture series, from his church uh, sermons, all that is um, going there at ApologiaStudios.com. So if you don't have a free account yet, make sure you get a free account and you guys can get an opportunity to learn again from one of the greatest uh, in the history of the church. So uh, I'm Jeff. They call me the ninja. That's Luke the Bear. What up? That's Joy the Girl. Hello. Welcome, 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 everybody. So the thing is, is we were talking before the show started here, a good show planned for you guys today. We're talking about the Supreme Court, what's going on with that. We were just there in D.C. Uh, Pastor Luke was with the team in Louisiana at the end of that week. That was last week, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, it was last week. Uh, so we'll update you on that. We have our attorney, our constitutional attorney, buddy and brother <laughs> in Christ, uh, Bradley Pierce, uh, hanging on the line. And uh, we're also going to review something that happened in Texas with the resolution for the abolition abolition of abortion in Texas. Listen, I'm tripping over my words because we were just talking about the fact that I was up all night long with an amazing allergy fit. It was epic. Actually, I went to bed fine and then nose is drained a little bit and woke up and had it was like. It was it was amazing. At one point, I was just sneezing nonstop for like three minutes to the point where in my head I was like, 
this doesn't seem right. Like it's it's not stopping. Anyway, someone told me in grade school, like young grade school, one time that if you sneeze seven times in a row, you'll die. Yeah. Have you ever tried it? It's not true. Apparently, it's not true. Yes. It's not true because I did it like seventy times seven um, times. Do you sneeze so it was hard a that your perfect whole body amount hurts? of sneezes? You like? Yeah, that's what I was doing last I night. Hate, like you're like uh, like every I, muscle it was, in your body. It was like it was like what's his what's his rip when he did the thing? It was like yeah, that's like, how Pastor Zach sneezed every single time. Yeah. Dan Cook is who you're talking I about. Scream, oh, yeah. scream! Yeah, I God thought, bless you. I could have sworn I was gonna wake my wife up. I was like, I know she's just gonna be so upset. I'm keeping her up, and I was trying to like leave the room and go on the other side of the house and. It was bad, and so then I finally, like at 3 a.m., was able to get to sleep, wake up like an hour later, because August, uh, who sleeps in bed with us, has I'm like I'm like falling off the bed, and he's like right up against my body. I'm like, yeah. what's going on? So I'm like, okay, Augustine, move over. So I start to push him, then I realize the entire bed is soaking wet, and he's soaking wet. Like his shirt's wet, his whole, everything's wet, because we switched from one brand of, of diapers that actually is super awesome, yeah. super comfortable, mm-hmm. very comfortable, and um, he didn't do it. Uh, super comfortable. And I was giving <laughs> well, you... I was, I, I was you set, changed it up. Uh, I was waiting for the I point. Was, I was setting you up. <laughs> I threw it out there. <laughs> Did you try them on? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So We tried to recreate it. it, it just, we did. Because uh, Isaac said, you're having the wrong dis- wrong place for the discussion. Do it on the show. Yeah. So uh, we switched from the Millie Moon diapers, which... Mm-hmm. Uh, They're the best. When yeah, you think about like costs and like how long these, they can wear them for and how dry they keep super the kids. Super absorbent, yeah. Yeah, they're so soft. soft. And, uh, Millie he, Moon, we'll take your check. Yeah. And uh, Millie Moon, thank you. We'll take the... Uh, yeah, sponsorship so then we had some we just grabbed some huggies and it's it was like it was like rough paper mm-hmm. and uh, that's what we put them in last night and turns out like they're not very absorbent and so he peed all over the bed so now it's four in the morning i'm going to get a towel i'm changing his diaper kane wakes up he's like what happened i'm like what well, came through his diaper and so like i'm trying to get the bed dried off and you know him dried off and uh, so that was that was where i was at last night and so just so everybody knows if my brain it's not making proper connections today. I'm going to hand it over to you guys. I wonder why you smell like urine today. Yeah, man, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't do anything about it. I'm like, well, I'm going to roll with this. <laughs> Here you go, uh, Isaac. Oh, okay. Wherever you're at. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know, the funny thing is, is like being a parent. Okay, here's the thing. I'm up all night. So, okay, for those of you guys who are single, you won't understand this. You're like, ew. But for parents... Candy and I, our response to a bed soaked in pee at four in the morning wasn't, I guess we got to get up and change beds or change the stuff and clean it off. No, it was like, let's just put a towel yeah, over exactly it. Exactly right. And we'll just yeah. roll around this. We'll till, take yeah. care of it tomorrow. Yeah. We'll roll around this year until the morning. Yeah. And it's uh, <laughs> just what you do. There's yeah. just your priorities change. Yeah. Sleep <laughs> is uh, more important to me right now than not being covered in pee. Yeah. So, but you know what? If you just buy Millie Moon, Problem you solved. won't be covered in that. pee. That's the best thing about those two in Target, you just, like, when we need them, I just will order on the app, and then I'll just drive up. I'm here, and they bring them yeah. out, and I don't even have to go in the stupid yeah. store and get COVID. I don't want to buy any other diapers. <laughs> I don't want to buy any other diapers except for those, because I've never I've never woken up in pee yeah. right. um, with Millie Moon. They're really Millie nice. Moon, I'm telling you. You could we'll be doing good things. We'll they really are the cheapest, too. They're cheaper. Than yeah, it doesn't yeah. make sense. They're it like says natural. like luxury diapers or yeah. something. Uh, but when you, we, you're right. When you, we did the cost analysis, too. We're like, but yeah. but if you put these huggies on, 
like in an hour you're changing it again yeah. because they're so and he does that too like he had him on and it was like an hour later he peed like one time and he was like mama mama pee pee like because he could feel right. it and it wasn't comfortable and so you know millie moon you keep it on for like five days <laughs> seriously <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> All right, we need to get to the show today. I think right. our guest knows a little right. bit about babies and what. Speaking diapers. of cute babies and babies things and all the wonderful things that go along with having little human beings, um, uh, we were in uh, Washington, D.C. last week with the team uh, to get content for you all and to do some important things and be on the ground there where the Supreme Court is hearing a case uh, related to something in Mississippi. It's a 15-week abortion ban. But some of the circumstances in the case relate to the issue of Roe v. Wade. And so we were in D.C. on the ground. The event took place last Wednesday where everybody was there. Uh, just to give you sort of a setup, as you as Bradley's going to introduce us and talk to us about things, I'm going to give you a setup. Uh, being there, lots of people there. Um, uh, if you were facing the Supreme Court, to the left side was all the pro-choicers. The pro-aborts were over here. And to the right side were all the pro-lifers and the abolitionists. I am making a distinction between those groups. Um, but they were, you know, a lot of people there, a lot of important people there. And they were both, here's the hard part of it. They were both talking at the same time. So, like, on the one side, mm. they, were there, they were literally standing next to each other in crowds. Like, there was a divide there, but they were, like, right there. And on the pro-life side, you had a microphone and amplification. And they had all their speakers talking. But right next to them, I mean, like, I mean, 15 feet away, 20 feet away, it seems, was the pro-choicers. You had all le legislators going up there. That was, was that a bomb? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> legislators. Wow. Uh, you had, uh, you know, the, the representatives of the leadership of the pro-choice community. They were all there as well. So they're talking at the same time because you couldn't make rhyme or reason many times as to what was actually being said because it was just like talking over each other. People were shouting and yelling. It was pretty chaotic. Um but uh, got to hear a lot of what the pro-choicers were saying. We're going to talk about that. Uh, but I wanted to bring Bradley on because this, this case is an important case for us. One of the reasons why is because uh, through, uh, through End Abortion Now, uh, Action for Life, and other organizations, we were able to actually get Bradley Pierce to write an amicus brief um, in, in this case uh, that essentially argued for, of course, the repenting of Roe, turning away from Roe, the undoing of Roe, and ultimately the upholding and the preservation of all human life. So we are having on right now Bradley Pierce Esquire. Mm -hmm. Bradley, welcome on, brother. Thanks for having me. Good to be with you. Absolutely. Thanks for hanging on with us, too, as we talked about uh, silly baby things. Well, I want to know what brand hey. diapers Bradley uses for his 32 Yeah, yeah you have like 57 children. Where are you at now? <sighs> Give or take. Yeah, I think we're, we're expecting number 10 uh, early next year. But um, Praise the Lord. You know, I've never heard of Millie Moon before. I'm only stuff, like writing that down. Good stuff. Get him a target. a target. Yes. Get him a like, target. Especially when you said you could wear it for, just leave him on for several days. Several I mean, days. Awesome. <laughs> days. Um, you know, and if you ever have a bad moment as an adult, you know, nobody needs to know you have a pair on because you know you're. Do they make those having in like a bad, the having pens, a bad day? Like adult diapers, <laughs> Millie Moon. I'll tell you what, if I turn seventy-five and I start having problems, Millie Moon all the way, baby, because <laughs> I already know they're trustworthy, reliable, and comfortable. Petition them. Get your for confidence back. A larger size. <laughs> okay. A size twenty. <laughs> all right. All right. So. Uh, uh, wow. Uh, what were we talking Bradley about? Pierce Esquire. Um, <laughs> all right. So you filed an amicus brief. In Which is this, no small task. It's no small task in this in this case. And so let's let's do this for listeners who have no idea what that is. 
They haven't seen the video we put out with you in it, and they don't know what's going on. Tell us about the case and tell us about the amicus brief that you filed. Sure. So this case is coming out of Mississippi. Mississippi in 2018 passed a 15-week ban. So a lot of states have a ban on abortions after 20 weeks with some exceptions. So uh, Mississippi passed a 15-week ban, just kind of moving the line up a few weeks. And so that went to the Fifth Circuit, which is most conservative federal appellate circuit in the country. They ultimately upheld it because they said under Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey, which is a 1992 case that kind of upheld Roe. Under those two decisions, any kind of a ban before viability uh, is inherently unconstitutional, according to the Supreme Court, according to those cases. Uh, so that that's what the Fifth Circuit said. So that then got appealed up to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court, they can decide. They actually don't have to hear most cases. They get to decide, do we want to hear this case or do we not? Um, and there's been lots of pro-life bills that have gone up to them that they said, you know, no thanks, we're not interested. Uh, but this one, for some, whatever reason we can talk about, they said, you know what, we do want to hear that case. And so st starting, they, they said that in late May, and they gave the party, the, the Mississippi, until late July to file their you know, their briefs arguing why, uh, in this case, Mississippi argued, among other things, that they should overturn Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey. And a few days after that was the deadline to submit an amicus brief for people who either were on Mississippi's side or, or were on neither side. Um, so that's what we did. I'm admitted to the bar of the United States Supreme Court. And so I kind of was able to be the attorney, but supported by 21 organizations and 20 state legislators signing on to the brief. We all together filed a brief with the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, arguing several different things. Of course, arguing that they should overturn Roe, that they should do it because it's their duty before God, it's their duty under the Constitution, uh, and arguing that they should go even further that the Constitution, as we'll talk about in a minute, it's not neutral about abortion. The Constitution says the state's may not deny equal protection to all persons within their jurisdiction, equal protection of the laws. So the constitution requires states to provide equal protection, which we're, we're arguing that means since a fetus is a person, that means that you need to pro protect them by the laws of your state. That applies to every state in the country. And uh, we not only argued that though, but we also informed the court and let them know that, hey, we believe it is that you do need to overturn Roe versus Wade. But even if you don't, we believe that it's the duty of states, governors, legislatures, uh, for them to abolish abortion, regardless of what you do in this case. So that's what we were able to argue Praise God. in our brief that we submitted to the court. Praise God. This is really important for our listeners. Uh, if you're just getting into this discussion, it's important because people even ask the question. I got a few messages that day that we were there asking the questions, Jeff, uh, why are you bothering with this? I thought we just need to ignore Roe. And um, I think we can address that with this. Um, we need yep. to just ignore Roe versus Wade at the state level. Exactly. Um, our, our, our constitutional republic was set up in such a way that it is the Congress that creates law in our nation. It is not the Supreme Court. They are not the supreme being. They're not the ultimate authority. You have examples in history where states did the right thing and rejected fallacious and erroneous um, decisions of the Supreme Court, uh, say, related to the issue of slavery even. So in the past, um, it has been uh, part and parcel to uh, the, the 
worldview that was uh, the foundation of this nation, that the Supreme Court is supposed to make decisions, judicial decisions that are in accordance with the Constitution and essentially lex rex, the law of the land. And uh, when the Supreme Court um, uh, denies uh, the fundamental aspects uh, of the Constitution or the law of the land, uh, it is the duty of the states to resist them because they are not the ultimate authority. And and that gets to the point that Bradley did something in this amicus brief where when you cite the the table of authorities, he cited the Holy Bible, the Word of God. And so for Bradley Pierce, a Christian attorney, um, he is pointing to essentially what was the foundation of this nation to begin with, but he's pointing to that as the ultimate authority. Now, all that to say, uh, our our constitutional republic does not allow for the Supreme Court to essentially legislate from the bench and to be, uh, to, there's no there's not supposed to be judicial supremacy and you're not supposed to have the situation where the Supreme Court acts like the supreme being. So the states need to ignore Roe, period, today, right now, ignore Roe, ignore it, ignore it, ignore it, establish, establish justice for children today in your state. However, we have to be able to also think in categories as Christians. There's a category of equal protection and abolition and criminalization that needs to take place immediately in the states right now. Ignore Roe, ignore Roe. However, there's a category of the Supreme Court's duty and role before God and before country, okay? Primarily before God, the Supreme Court has a duty to obey God. So what Bradley Pierce argued was essentially that the Supreme Court needs to obey Jesus Christ, and they need to come back to what the Constitution says about protecting life and and liberty, all that stuff. Um, But the category of does the Supreme Court need to repent and do they, need, do, do they need to essentially undo Roe versus Wade? In that category, every Christian should be saying, yes, that in that category, the Supreme Court has the duty uh, to overturn that ruling. That shouldn't be controversial. Unfortunately, it is among some people. Um, they think you should you you don't need to work in in any other area and sort of like be a prophetic voice there. You just need to focus on the one thing: equal protection. That's it. All d- said and done. Well, I think what Bradley Pierce did was a very good thing: bringing the Christian witness, the Word of God, into this case in the Amicus brief, doing it respectfully, doing it prophetically, doing it boldly and without compromise, and in that category, informing the court of what their duty is before God and before this country. And so that's why we were there. We were there because we helped to get this amicus brief in, and we were there because the Supreme Court does have a duty before God. These judges will answer before Jesus Christ, before his throne, uh, for the decision that they make here. And so we do want to see Roe versus Wade overturned, but we could care less ultimately if it is in terms of our pursuit of justice at the state level, immediate abolition, immediate criminalization, right now, equal protection. That's what we're working for. Ignore, ignore Roe versus Wade. However, we still want Roe versus Wade overturned. Mm-hmm. So you see that the different categories are working in there. Right. Well, I mean, exactly right. That's what the Supreme Court needs to do. And and again, regardless of whether the Supreme Court overturns Roe versus Wade, we're still going to be have we're still going to have to pass bills of abolition in every state. So that's why I hope that if there's anybody listening to this thinking like, oh, well, let's just wait and see what the Supreme Court does. Absolutely not. That's not the right thing to do. In fact, if you want Supreme Court to overturn Roe versus Wade, what you should do is be pushing bills of abolition in your state right now because the Supreme Court's looking at that. And the more states that are doing that, I think the more likely they are to overturn it themselves. Yeah. No, very good point. If you guys um, didn't catch that, it is a very, very important point to to consider and to have 
as a foundation of your fight here, um, even if Roe versus Wade is overturned tonight. Right. Tomorrow, we're going to have a big fight ahead of us in terms of uh, trying to end abortion in the states where the pro-life industry has put in bills that legalize abortion at the state level. Yes, the pro-life industry has created legislation that actually legalizes abortion at the state level. So overturn Roe, yes, 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 but you're still going to have to abolish abortion at the state level anyways. Mm -hmm. Equal protection of the states is what we have to be working for. Um, but I wanted to highlight something because we know this. Luke, Joy, we've talked about this. Bradley, we talk about this. It's in our circle. We're set, we've said it a lot. Um, but I'm not sure everyone has heard this and you need to. And that is this, this fact. The pro-life industry has fought against Roe versus Wade for decades now uh, with the assumption that Roe versus Wade is law and that it's done something to essentially legalize abortion federally or at the state level. Either way, that's how they fight it. Okay. And so their big perspective is if we could just get the right judges on right. the court and overturn Roe versus Wade, this is all over with. That's kind of how they pursue it. Bradley Pierce has an amazing lecture on this point that we got to find a way to get on our channel so everyone can benefit from it. Bradley, if we got to fly you out here so you can redo it, we need to make it happen because he has an amazing lecture on why that is a fallacious form of reasoning. It hasn't worked in history. It will not ultimately work in the future. So waiting for the Supreme Court to overturn Roe versus Wade is a silly way to approach this. But the pro-life industry has pretended that Roe versus Wade is the main obstacle. We just got to overturn mm -hmm. Roe versus Wade because that's like the law of the land. They fought that way. Interestingly, that's not in accordance with the Constitution itself. That's not how law is made in this land. And the second thing is, is the left, the pro-aborts, the pro-choicers, they understand and say publicly now that they know Roe versus Wade is not the law of the land. Uh, two points. One, during the town hall when Biden was um, um, trying to become president, um, and he was asked the question like, well, what if Roe versus Wade is overturned? He said that his goal was to give Roe versus Wade the force of law in our country to make it legislation. So there's an admission that it's not the law of the land and he has to make it the law of the land. Uh, when Texas did their heartbeat bill very recently, that's exactly what the White House press secretary, Saki, said when she was asked exactly about the right. bill in Texas. She says, well, just like he said in his campaign, we need to make Roe versus Wade the law of the land. We need to give it the force of legislation because they know it's not the law. Right. Why are the pro-lifers pro acting like it's law when the leftists are saying and the pro-aborts are saying it's not the law of the land? we got to make it the law of the land. I heard that on the ground last week. On Wednesday, I'm standing there in the crowd where the pro-aborts are. The woman is yelling and railing. I can't tell you how many F-bombs came from that microphone. It was epic. She's a nasty um, woman. It was, well, the whole thing was nasty. It was foul. I, I will say the contrast between the two crowds was stark. Let me just say it was like two different planets colliding. I mean, from the way people dressed to where the way they were behaving, what was coming out of their mouths, you could see it was like light and dark. Trust me. But... What she said at one point when I was standing there was she was talking about Roe versus Wade and like what this could mean if they overturn Roe. And she said, we've already got a commitment from Chuck Schumer. I think Schumer, she said, that he's going to put in legislation that gives Roe the law, uh, the legal force in our country. And they're saying it from the pulpit in front of the Supreme Court that if they overturn Roe, we're going to have legislation go in federally that will actually make abortion law in our country. How come... They know it. They're saying it publicly. And the pro-lifers, it's like, do, do you got, did everyone over there, 
Did you did you hear what they just said? <laughs> did you did you not hear that? Like you're all acting like this has to actually be a thing. It has to actually happen before anything. You can make a move. But they they just said in a microphone 20 feet away from you that they need to give this the force of law in our country. So if Roe goes down, we need to create legislation that makes abortion the law. Mm. I mean, they're saying it right in front of you. Right. So it's you know what I'm saying? It's like um yeah. you're in a fight with a with a terrible enemy and like he's he's exposing his his weakness. He's like just put the kryptonite right there and I go down. Just put it just put it right inside there. This is my weak spot. <laughs> and like you everyone's like everyone's like well, I'm going to go bite his ankles. Like I'm going to go like chew on his you know, well, chew on it, his ankles. It's even worse. Worse the pro life largely the community is still saying they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. It goes much further than that. They like it's they're not oh right. they're not even my enemy. They're not even trying to fight me. They're not even doing anything wrong. Mm-hmm. It's like what Please recognize when you're in a battle. Yeah. Like that first step. Yeah. Step number one. Right. Recognize. Know who your enemy is. <laughs> right. Know your enemy yeah. better than you know themselves. <laughs> well, it was just like uh, right after that, right? We, we were out there in front of the court. You know, me and the guys I was with, we go back to our hotel room. We get on the elevator and some woman asks who we're with and what we're doing. And we told her and she immediately starts cursing at us, you know, dropping F-bombs. You know, and we're like, hey, God bless you. Have a nice day. Is that that just makes it worse, right? She just keeps on, yeah, keeps on cursing at us, and yeah, a lot of the pro life movement is like, oh, that, that poor victim, that, right. that lady, she's just a victim. She doesn't know it's what like, she's doing. Nothing is she exactly though? Right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, how many shirts did we see that day, Bradley? Where you know people were who had sh- t- shirts on, uh, uh, rejoicing over their abortions, mm. like just Absolutely. so thankful for their abortions, like saying Absolutely. how many abortions that they had. These are not victims. These are and, people taking abortion pills in front of the Supreme Court. Yeah. Like, I, I, I hopefully they were just doing it, you know, hopefully they weren't pregnant, but they right. may have been. I mean, they may yeah. have been actively killing their children right there right in front, there in of, front of the Supreme, the Supreme Court. Court. That's exactly yes. right. They are not victims, and we need to stop treating them like they're victims because you don't treat other crimes like that. Exactly right. But right. we've been worked on by our culture to see the woman who actually, and the man, by the way, who participates in the issue of abortion as victims themselves, victims of their circumstances, victim of the culture that they're in, all of that. And so we don't treat sex trafficking that way. We don't treat slavery that way. We don't t- treat theft that way. We don't even treat murder and other circumstances in that way. But we do with abortion, which says that we've been worked on by our culture and we've been worked on by the pro-life industry and the people who are leading this fight when they say that both mother and baby are both equally victims, it needs to be seen as a crime. We need to work for equal protection for all human beings from the moment of conception. Um, and that's what we're doing. I mean, it's an amazing thing. When we put in these bills of, of uh, equal protection in the states, we're saying what the pro-life industry says they believe. Mm-hmm. We're saying simply, right. ready? It's human from conception. All humans deserve to be protected. Equal protection. Right. That's it. Yeah. That's what we're saying. Right. That is the fun, well, fundamental assertion of the pro-life industry. They say they believe that. Well, and when you talked about, when Joy's talking a minute ago, or when you were like, hey, yeah, put the kryptonite right here. Put it right. put it right here. Your enemy's telling you, put it right here. You know, in Roe versus Wade, in the actual Roe versus Wade decision in 1973, the Supreme Court said, hey, Texas, your laws against ab- abortion, you have different penalties for killing born people versus people not yet born. And then the mother, she's not a principal or an accomplice. She's completely immune. If a fetus is a person, why are these things so? Right. I mean, they, they, they told us, like, here's your weakness or, you know, here's how to defeat this whole thing. But for the last 49 years, the pro-life movement has said, like, you know, like, oh, no, we're going to do everything but that. Right. Uh, everything but provide equal protection 
which you know treats them like they're persons. We're going to treat them like they're not persons. That's While right. we say they are, right. you know, actions speak louder than words. Mm-hmm. That's right, brother. And I think the key issue, brothers and sisters, is we want to make sure that we help to educate our brothers and sisters in Christ in this fight so we can actually establish justice for these children. The key issue here is a fundamentally different worldview yep. coming from the pro-life industry where you say, well, why wouldn't they want to fight consistently with that? If they believe that it's human and they believe it deserves to be protected, then why wouldn't they get behind a bill that actually just says that? That's just what it says, and it, and it is consistent with that. And the answer is the fundamentally, uh, 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 the fundamentally opposed position and worldview to Scripture and a biblical worldview that says that the mother and the father— who engage in the issue of abortion are themselves victims. The pro-life industry does not want to let go of that assertion. And based upon that assertion, which is a fundamental commitment of theirs, they will never work to see this as a crime Mm -hmm. for a woman who actually engages in it or a father. I want both to be seen as equally guilty. When a mom and dad are walking into an abortion mill, you better believe that I do not think that it is just the mother who bears the guilt of that moment. Right. It is also the man. It's the father as well. I want them both to be treated um, with equal justice. And I also want to make sure that as Christians, this is a key thing for us, Bradley and Luke, when we were at our, our meeting together uh, in Colorado, one mm. of the things we said, like when you're looking at something as a Christian, what does God demand of you? And that's this, do not show partiality. Exactly right. That's a right. key principle in Scripture. Do not show partiality. And these right. pro-life bills, these incremental bills, they show partiality because they say kill these kids but not these ones. And right. um, and even in the case of who's actually bearing the guilt of the issue of abortion, we don't want to show partiality there either. We want to have e- equal weights and measures always. That's God's standard. Uh, no matter how you apply different aspects of the law of God in terms of their general equity today, we can say that that should be the the guiding principle. Do not show partiality. And so that's what we are engaged in. And Bradley Pierce, we love you, brother, and we're thankful for all the work that you're doing. Thank you. Y'all too. Hey, if I can just ask real quick, what's next? What should we expect with this moving forward? Yeah, so the Supreme Court, they could issue a decision at any time, but the you know the common wisdom is that they're going to probably issue this decision in June. So that's what we can be, you know, that's around the time, June or July is when we can expect them to do something. Uh, but again, we shouldn't be waiting for that. We should be praying for them. Hopefully they do the right thing. Hopefully they overturn Roe, uh, but we don't need to be waiting for that. We need to be pushing in our states right now for our legislatures, for our governors to, to pass bills of equal protection to abolish abortion. You think that's enough time for them to read through that? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe yeah, we should th- give them like another six months. Yeah, yeah. I, you could do it. I think you could do it. In a co- crazy. You could do it in an hour or so. All right, Bradley. Thank you for all you're doing, brother. Looking forward to having you uh, on again in the future. Thank you all so much. Thanks, brother. All right. Bless you. All right. You too. Uh, everyone, uh, go to endabortionnow.com to get your church equipped and to get them free resources to go out and save lives at the abortion mills. And also go to endabortionnow.com to get connected so that you can work with the churches right now across the country who are speaking to legislators and uh, working to get these bills of equal protection. And this year, uh, through your work together with us at End Abortion Now, we were able to get work going in Arizona for equal protection, bills in for equal protection, criminalization. We work with our brothers and sisters in Oklahoma. We got it going in Texas and in South Carolina and in Pennsylvania. We are working right now on Louisiana, in Colorado, and a number of other states. And so it's all through your work together with us. So uh, go to endabortionnow.com to start working with us. We need your help. You are not a... Um, 
we are not creating um, little extensions of end abortion now as a as right. a as a as a industry. We are working with local churches. You're doing your thing with our all of us message of the gospel and the word of God in the midst of this yeah. uh, Holocaust. And so we're just here as a resource to equip you, to train you, to connect everybody and to work together to end this evil. That's what we're doing. And uh, we just want to be a support to you. If you can't go out to the abortion mills, there's plenty of people who are um, home ridden and they're passionate about this. Uh, you can give, give. Um, there's a lot of people that um, uh, you feel like the Lord has blessed you with wealth and businesses to actually just be a part of funding the mission of the kingdom of God. Give, give it in abortionnow.com. We need your help. We need you to walk with us and to pray with us. And of course, to give for this ministry, everything that's happened has happened because brothers and sisters, just like you partnered with us in this ministry. So the over 800 churches right now, who have been uh, raised up, trained, and equipped, and they're working now in their area to save lives, and we're saving thousands of children, and they're working with legislators. That's all happened because people gave just like you. Mm -hmm. um, so go to endabortionnow.com to give there and to work with us in 2022 uh, to actually... We're getting so close. We're getting so close. All these states, all these bills, we're getting so much closer, uh, but what you need, we need you to stand with us. So that leads me to actually next part of the discussion, and that is there was something that happened in Texas, um, and uh, let me just go ahead and- Three weeks ago, I think? I think it was- Maybe four weeks ago now. Yeah, it, it's, it's maybe been about a month. Happened in Texas. It was a resolution for abolition, uh, for abolishing abortion. And uh, it was happening in Texas. We have a video clip here we want to play. Our friend is in this video clip as somebody who was in support of the resolution. But there is a pastor, Nathan Lino. Uh, he's arguing for the rejection of the resolution on abolishing abortion. And uh, he gives some reasons. We're going to engage with those. But I wanted to get uh, some update from JR as to what really was going on in Texas. What do the resolutions say? And um, and how do we better understand what was actually taking place in this video? So, Isaac, do we have JR on now, or should I go ahead and get started, and, and we'll get him on in a minute? Hey, Jeff, I'm here. Oh, oh there you up, go. Man? All right, brother, welcome, sir. <laughs> hey, this is JR Haas. It's a great Texas name. It is a great Texas name. Yeah. It's beautifully yeah. Texas. Yeah. Haas? Yeah. How you doing, Haas? <laughs> I'm doing well, guys. I'm doing well. <laughs> right I mean, on. He actually works I know y'all are over. Sorry. I know y'all are kind of neighbors a couple states over but uh you know if you ever want to come back and visit the great state of texas you're i was just welcome. there it wasn't that great it truly is great as in stinking <laughs> large it is oh my goodness inside Dr driving That's through texas feels like you are driving through its own country it's like it's the never yeah. ever ending state it's true right i know everyone says it all the time but i had to do it twice this, this year and it was just like oh when's the state gonna be over with so glad yeah, to see it was like another country. Yeah. By the way. Yeah. So glad to see exactly it is. So glad to see like when you hit, see the new, the sign for New Mexico, you're like, oh yes, yeah. There's hope. <laughs> there's hope. This is not just a loop that I'm in. Like I'm just right. like driving on a loop in Texas. All right. So Jr. Um, we're gonna play through this. It's not very long. It's three minutes long. Uh, explain to us what was going on in Texas and what we're about to to listen to. All right. So um, first of all. Uh, we had had an opportunity to attend the SBC uh, convention and help Bill Askell and Dusty Devers uh, and, and the brothers there bring in the resolution at the SBC. And by what was almost a modern day miracle, <laughs> by the grace of God, we saw it passed uh, between a 
split body of 17,000 messengers for the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, with that, we came back to Texas. My One of my elders, Pastor Aaron Wright, uh, he was like, hey, let's, let's go ahead and you know, try, try this at the state level as well. So Texas has two um, Baptist conventions. Uh, one is the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention, the one we're <clears throat> affiliated with. So uh, he actually uh, kind of took the language. We polished it a little bit, um, created pamphlets, submitted it to the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention leadership. Um, up until right before the con convention, we weren't sure you know, what the status was of it. We just knew they were going to meet and give us a decision. And we didn't really find out until the day of whether or not our resolution or our admit, yeah, our resolution was accepted or if it had been um, just declined as it was at the Southern Baptist of Texas convention. Uh, so we show up that morning. We had already passed out roughly 500 pamphlets to about a uh, audience of about a thousand attendees, uh, messengers and, and guests. Um, and now came the time for business to, for the resolution committee to present the, I think they had about 10 resolutions and on that resolution list, they had, uh, a, a resolution speaking to life, but it was one basically affirming and celebrating the heartbeat bill that had mm -hmm. recently been passed but um, they had declined to accept or pre present our resolution separately. Wow. Um, I had been given at the time instructions by the resolution committee, and we can talk more about this in a minute, but um, I was told I couldn't make a motion to just bring it from the floor like we did at the SBC. Uh, instead, I had to offer our resolution as an amendment for the heartbeat bill um, resolution. So this was kind of a, a large task at hand, right? We were, we were basically saying, hey, not only let's not celebrate the heartbeat bill, but let's embrace going forward and working towards abolishing abortion. And so what you're gonna hear here is, um, just to give a little bit of context and a little grace to the body of people there, uh, many had received this pamphlet with the resolution in it, but you know they may have dropped it in their car, left it in their hotel room, um, you know, the, while the SBTC leadership was, you know, gracious to us and fair in some regards, they weren't um, working with us to ensure the messengers had the clear text for them to review um, when it came time for this decision. So you're going to, well, you won't be able to hear the whole um, debate, but there was a, a moment when one of the messengers came forward and said, um, can can somebody read this resolution? We don't have the <laughs> we don't have the language. We don't see it on a screen. Hmm. And um, and so uh, Aaron Wright actually had to read through uh, a 19 point um, a, you know resolution. Um, and and you know just to give them a little grace, there's a lot to take in just hearing it verbally and never actually having read it or digested it. Mm -hmm. But that didn't stop these brothers standing up and. Um, going against it, so opposing it, yeah. So the uh, <clears throat> the pastor who um, was arguing for its rejection is named uh, Nathan Lino, and so he's going to come up here in just a moment here. So we'll let you hear uh, what they said. Microphone number right. two, Mr. President. My name is Nathan Lino, and I'm a messenger from Northeast Houston Baptist Church in Humble, Texas. I would urge my fellow messengers to vote no on the amendment and to accept the resolution from the committee as is. Uh, I'm thankful for my brothers who are presenting the amendment and for the arguments that they have made. 
I strongly disagree with them, however. Uh, we are pro-life. We have been very clear that we as an organization are against abortion. If my numbers are correct, we have passed at the national level even 28 resolutions against abortion over the years as the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, my church family has spent seven figures at great cost to ourselves uh, fighting abortion and running a pregnancy clinic in Houston's Fifth Ward. There is no question that we are a pro-life people. Uh, however, when you read this amendment that is being presented in their own language, uh, while I agree with the heart of it that we want abortion ended, the language is harsh, it is mean, and it does not represent the spirit of who we are, that we are a people full of grace and truth. For example, using the... So, let's... Uh... Let's so deal with that. Uh, let's do it. I'm surprised you got past the seven figures without stopping. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm gonna let, let everyone get a chance to hear him. Um, but when he says the language is harsh and it is mean, uh, Jr. What's he talking about, brother? It really felt like he just smacked me, like smacked us, proverbial. I've been mean, like, um, what he's talking about. We're using the language of the scriptures, right? Right. If you look at this, uh, I know I don't know if the whole audience have seen the resolution. Um, we can share a website here shortly so they can go and read it. Um, but we have scripture available, and we're using the terminology of of our Lord. Um, so when when he's saying we're these are harsh and mean spirited words, I I would put the question back to him. You know, because because these are the this is the language of of truth. Um, we don't want to sugarcoat sin uh we want to call murder what it is mm -hmm. certainly that doesn't um make the grace available through christ any less sufficient um but if we are going to lie to people or soften it um in this pseudo um idea of love that our culture has uh i, I mean i don't know that brother's gonna have to give an account for for his concept of love but when, when you're calling this language as hateful and mean, um, I would ask him, you know, you know, where does he think we're getting this language from? Yeah, and that's something everyone needs to be aware of. And we're trying to constantly make everybody aware of what we've become aware of ourselves in this fight to establish justice for these preborn children. And that's that the pro-life industry has a, a working a vocabulary and dictionary. They have a particular foundation they're standing on, a worldview. And here's the here's the thing: if you have been in the pro-life uh, community and amongst the industry itself, and you've been quote-unquote fighting abortion, and I say that in quotes not to be nasty, but to say like, for example, the bill that was passed in Arizona this year that says you can't kill a child for the express reason that it has a genetic abnormality, um, uh, that's not fighting abortion. That's saying kill the healthy kids, but mm -hmm. not the ones with um, genetic abnormalities. That's not fighting abortion in any meaningful way. And it could be resisted by simply walking into the office and saying, I'm not killing it because of Down syndrome. I'm killing it because I don't want it, because I hate it, because it, I, it disgusts me. I don't want it in my body, whatever the case may be. That's not fighting abortion. But if you've been running in those circles, and even as a pastor, you've run in those circles, you are adopting the terminology, the vocabulary, uh, the, the working dictionary of the pro-life industry. And so when we talk about abortion in that circle, in those circles, they, we're dumbing down the language of Scripture. We're dumbing down the call to repentance and faith. We're dumbing down even calling it murder. 
I can demonstrate that to you as a fact. Uh, we have interviews from the top leaders of the pro-life industry who refuse to call it murder. They call the woman a victim. And I've, as I've said here on this show right here, Luke and I have constantly pressed this issue. Um, when I was on the phone with our pro-life industry leader in the state of Arizona, Kathy Herod, uh, who resisted, by the way, the, the end of abortion in the state of Arizona, and she actually worked to decriminalize it for the mother, right. um, she told me very personally that she can never get behind what we're doing because we're calling abortion murder. And that she believes that mothers are victims. And she says she knows too many women who have had abortions and she can't possibly call them murderers, which means now we can't bring the gospel to them to heal because she's a victim, she's not guilty, all the rest. If this gentleman has been operating in those circles, then it makes sense to me why he would see a resolution that says biblical worldview language, murder, crime, end, all that stuff, guilt, gospel, why he would say, well, that seems really mean-spirited and just, that just seems, uh, you know, very, in, in some ways hostile. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're about grace and truth. Well, great. I want both those things. And that's why I believe in the criminalization of abortion, because I want grace of the gospel applied. And I want the truth by calling it what it actually is, calling women and men to repent of it. So I get it. If he's been working in the pro-life industry and community circles, when you see a consistent resolution that says, call it what it is, use biblical language, let's bring the gospel into conflict with this, he might say, well, that sounds really mean. Why? Well, because we're not talking about the woman as a victim. Mm. We're, we're showing a, a much larger concern in the circumstance for the baby who's being dismembered. Um, and so I, I think that's probably what is, is happening here, at least to some degree. You guys want to yeah. fill in on that? Yeah, I was just going to say it's important to point this out, and I've been trying to <laughs> let the world know this as much as I can, but, um, you know, he's talking about how many resolutions they've passed. I know JR mentioned the seven figures and all that. Um, keep in mind that the same people um, that they're celebrating for passing the heartbeat bill, which is what you attach this amendment to or resolution to the same people that passed that heartbeat bill are the same ones that got the, uh, abolition bill canceled. Essentially they're yeah. the same ones that said, don't I, vote for this. So they could have ended it. They could have been truly pro-life and ended it altogether. They said, don't vote yeah. for that one, vote for this one. So you can still yeah. murder your children at, you know, an early age. Um, so when he gets up there and brags about how pro-life they are, like the world needs to know that that's a ruse. Yeah. And I think I always want to put my finger on the heart, like go for the heart, go for the jugular every time. This is emotional. Mm. This is emotionalism. This isn't uh, a commitment to the word of God as a foundation. Let's let the word, um, give us our marching orders for our methodology and let's let the word give us our dictionary, our vocabulary. Let's use that instead of what the world has given to us. Um, well, and go ahead, Jer. It's it's man's wisdom, brother. Yeah. yeah. Um, just to, to Luke's point, coming back a second, I often reference one of the things at, at the passing of the heartbeat bill. Um, you saw a big picture of the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, and the senators and legislators that passed it all in one picture, making big hearts like this and. Um, I've, I've asked many people, I said, how many, you see the people in that picture, how many more votes did it take to pass a bill that would have protected 110,000 preborn children over the next two years until the next legislative session? And, you know, people are like, well, I guess it wouldn't have taken any more votes 
And I'm like, yeah. So isn't that an indictment against the very same people in this picture that they weren't willing? I, mean, I make a point uh, in another interview. It would be one thing. I mean, again, my position is I wouldn't vote for those bills. I believe they're unjust. Um, but it'd be one thing if they were voting for that bill and their name was actually on a bill that actually outlawed murder. Um, but these people are voting for these bills uh, in absence of, of voting for bills that would actually protect all preborn children. Yeah, and let's make a, a point here, uh, and that is to say that when Christians have brought the gospel to different nations and the transformation of that nation begins and you start to see justice and righteousness and peace sort of flow through that nation, uh, in history, Christian nations have always seen abortion as murder. And we've fought against it as murder. We've fought against it to make it a crime. And in this particular nation that we're in right now, the United States of America, you have evidence uh, all throughout the states where you see that the Christian influence with the Word of God at their feet always led to the criminalization of abortion, calling it a crime, saying that it is it is it is real guilt and it is an actual crime to take the life of your child in the womb. And so we've gone from not very long ago, it's still in the books in many, many states. Abortion is a crime in the states. It still is a crime in those states. Roe versus Wade didn't do anything to stop that. Um, we've gone from there to now we have this very soft approach because we're not standing on scripture to the issue of ending abortion. We don't want it to be called a crime for those who actually engage in it. We don't, we're just, we're resisting that. So we do things like heartbeat bills and wider hallways and don't use this tool to kill the child. You can use this tool, tool to kill the child rather than just getting to like the basic fundamental thing. And that's like, what is it? What are right. we trying to do? Criminalize it, end it, call it a crime. Well, wouldn't that mean that just people would just go in back alleys and 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 kill their children? Uh, yeah. Same thing goes for sex trafficking. You're going to make sex trafficking a crime, and people, guess what? Are still evil people are still going to try to do that. And what do you do with them? You actually capture them. You bring them uh, charges against them, and you 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 charge them with a crime because it's a crime. So yeah. the whole thing, like, well, they're just going to go ahead into back alleys and do it anyway. It's like, well, yeah, because that's where crime actually belongs. It belongs in the dark back alleys. Anyways, I like to push it there instead of the open square. That's kind of what I like yeah. to do. And uh, so it's just really fallacious form of reasoning. Uh, but uh, let's, let's do so. Unless joy, did you want to add something? Well, to I was just going to point out and he, he's perhaps going to expand, but just as you ended the clip, he was talking about like where community filled with grace and i mean i have some things to say about that but i guess as you continue to play the clip i think we should just keep in mind um grace from who and for what yeah mm. um I forgiveness mean, well you're talking about emotionalism yeah. and really what it what this guy is saying is that i want to we're a community that gives grace outside of the law mm. of god mm -hmm. outside of what god says and it's well, concerning that also they that the pro-life community and Christians in general have used this form of emotionalism to say that they can almost recreate the law mm. in a way that's appropriate for them or makes them feel mm -hmm. loving or mm -hmm. kind. Well, we're going to get to this in a moment because he gets right into kind okay. of squarely right where you're at. But, it's good, though, to start the discussion. But that's a good point. And I'd like everyone to think about that before you hear the next part. When he says uh, grace, me, grace and truth, and I'll let you go here, Jr. One second. So, yeah. when he says grace and truth, you made the, the point like grace for what? Like, right. are they guilty? Are they guilty of something? And that's right. what you're trying to bring the grace of the gospel into, right? Because yeah. if you don't tell the truth about what they're guilty of, then where's the grace coming in? For what? 
Like, f- that's the point. For what are we applying this grace? Are you really guilty? And are, okay, are, what are you guilty of? Mm. Is, it, is it murder? And that's a key issue. And I want everyone to be thinking that. JR, go ahead. Yeah, I, I was just going to say that, you know, to, uh, to Joy's point, the, um, the, this is not an indictment on us. Like, he didn't even address the issue. He didn't bring any scripture. He didn't um, question it. Like, as much as he's indicting us, saying this is the language of hate and, um, and meanness, uh, understand, if, if we are standing on the word of God, he's indicting the Lord, right? And, you know, because he has a perverse view, in my opinion, of what love is, I mean, I, I, I feel <laughs> like he's treading in, in very uh, tumultuous water here, claiming that, you know, this concept, if it is founded in Scripture, that it is unloving. Uh, because if he's redefining what love is, like, that's, mm. that's extra biblical, right? right? Right. Like, no, God is love, the substance of it, and, and he defines what love is. We don't turn around and judge God and tell him he's unloving. Right. Exactly. Exactly right. Yeah, God is love. He's a standard of love. If you want to know what love looks like, look at the incarnation of Jesus and look how he confronted sin. He confronted it with truth. He was honest about it, and he called people to repent of it. And that's what we have to be doing. So here's some more. This is uh, page five, sentence one, paragraph two. They are calling our president and our resolutions committee members compromisers of the word of God. That is a big statement of our duly elected brothers and sisters, and I strongly disagree with it. Another example of the heart. I'm going to go ahead and call that emotional manipulation. Um, I'll call it out for what it is, because if uh, someone wants to say, hey, Jeff, I think you're compromising here, um, I, I, can't, I can't then respond to that. Did you hear what he called us? He said, we're comp- you're, you're, you're talking about pastors here. You're calling me a compromiser. Now go ahead and make your case. I mean, this is a meeting yeah. amongst, it's supposed to be men of God, right? It's a meeting amongst men well, of God. And if it you... wasn't a Facebook comment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a whole official process. It's a process. That we're going through. Right. Like... I, I'm claiming this is compromise. <laughs> I'm claiming it's compromise. Okay, ready? Make your case. Right. I'm a fallible human being. Make your case. If I'm yep. compromising on the Word of God, then show me where I'm compromising. But don't 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 pull on the heartstrings and the don't do the emotional appeals like our duly elected representatives are being called compromisers. Okay. Uh, Let's try this. If we just looked at the Bible, is there are there examples of the people of God and even leadership compromising? So it's not so far-fetched, right? Have we gotten to a place where we're so sanctified that we couldn't possibly have compromised anywhere in our methodology? Like, what arrogance is that? But the manipulation and pulling out of heartstrings, you're calling our, our duly elected representatives compromisers. It's like the whole history of mankind is filled with compromisers. So if someone says, I think this is compromising, don't pull on the heartstrings and say, you're speaking about duly elected representatives. It's like, that's not how this world works. The word of God's the standard, not our position, not our methodologies. It's the word of God. And so let's let's have a debate. And Joy's right. It's an official process, my friend. It's not a Facebook post. Well, and this is where our, you know, snowflake, and he's clearly older than the snowflake generation, but this mm-hmm. snowflake-like victimhood nonsense is comes to bear you know what he he said he called me a compromise it's like man up yeah <laughs> there you go Just man up man yeah, like, we should title this that man up like stop being a crybaby mm-hmm. like you were allowed to critique someone else within the within the church the issue babies are being murdered yeah over a million a year 
over 60 million dead in this nation. So don't whine when someone says, I think we're compromising here. This is compromise. Don't whine because we're talking about death, like lots of children dying every single day because of this. So just take it in stride and listen and don't use the emotional manipulation. I think it's very important. Amen. Sorry, Isaac, I'll, I'll move the back a little bit there. Here we go. In Ready? addition to truth go. is resolved number 16, where it says that we affirm right. that the Nathan, murder of preborn children is a Nathan, crime against. Just a moment. He's not reading the resolution right now, by the way. The language you just shared was not in the resolution. That's not the resolution. No, no, no. We read the resolution. Do you, was it in the whereas or the resolves? I'm holding the pamphlet you handed me at this Does microphone it say whereas five minutes or resolves? ago and just Hang reading on, your just words back to Address you. All your yes, sir. To the chair. My question to your point the is well taken. Is is the language he spoke? I know there's some other questions in this pamphlet, but we're talking about the whereases and the resolves. Yeah. Your your point is well taken. All right, microphone that, number. That was so gangster, Jr. So, uh, Jr. Explain that. So uh, just in parliamentary order, like he's supposed to be speaking against the, uh, the, the, res- the amendment, which is the language of the resolution. Um, he basically, we kind of were talking to this already, but I'll read you the language that he kind of, um, he kind of went forward and, and like applied it to a specific retiring president, right? And specific people on the stage. This is what the language said, which is actually in the, um, more in the Q&A section. So Southern Baptist Texas have not failed to be pro-life. We have pro-life statements. We have pro-life sanctity of life sermons. We have pro-life articles, videos, and conferences, but we have failed to be unified prophetic voice demanding of magistrates, the total and immediate abolition of abortion in Jesus' name. Compromise is the language of worldly politicians, not of the bride of Christ. When it comes to child sacrifice, the Texas Southern Baptist uh, message to the world must be as unequivocal and steadfast as scripture itself. We have no right to retreat from one inch from God's holy standard. And it goes on. But the point is, we were saying, let's not be like the worldly politician. And he, again, is going back to emotionalism. And he's saying, they're calling our dearly, like, in the context, what you guys aren't getting from this, this was the weekend of a retirement of one of the founding pastors for this convention. And aside from this one resolution, it was more of a victory lap and, a, you know, a, a big celebration. So when we showed up on the scene and we're trying to actually debate some, some scripture and, and, and a modern atrocity that's going on uh, with this modern day genocide in our nation, and I did, they just, they were, they weren't ready for it, you know? So here he is, he's going along with it. And he's like, Hey, they're insulting this pastor. We were just celebrating our dearly beloved president. And my point to him with the parliamentary point of order was just to say, brother, stop reading into this commentary outside of the resolution and speak to the resolution language. Um, Because I could sit there and get in the weeds and debate with him what we were saying or intended by this commentary outside of the resolution, but that wasn't what was on the floor Mm. or what was being debated. There you go. Okay, here's more. Resolved number 16 of their resolution out of their pamphlet, again proving the harshness and the mean spirit that is entailed here. Resolved that we affirm that the murder of a preborn child, children, is a crime against humanity that must be treated equally under the law as the murder of a born person. Uh, many of us have young so females mean. in our youth groups 
We have grandchildren and children who are females growing up in a sex-saturated culture. Many of them will have the opportunity at sex outside of marriage. And impossible, it's possible. All right. All right. So question I have is, um, <clears throat> do you disagree? Do, right. do you disagree? Because let's, let's go back and listen to that. I want you to hear it again, everyone. What, what, is, what, what would you disagree with here as a pastor, as a person who believes in the Word of God? Let's play that again. Ready? Treated equally Isaac? under the law as the murder of a born person. Uh, and out of their pamphlet, again proving we'll again. the harshness and the mean spirit that is entailed here. Resolved that we affirm that the murder of a preborn child, children, is a crime against humanity that must be treated equally under the law as the murder of a born person. Um, harsh, mean, just what exactly was harsh and mean about that? If you believe the Bible, if you believe the Bible, then you believe that's an image bearer of God. If you believe the Bible, you would have to believe that taking the life of a human being in an unjustified manner is a crime against humanity. It is a crime against another human. That's what that statement means. It is a crime against another human being. How is that harsh? Well, How is it mean? A teenage girl could read it and have their feelings hurt. Mm -hmm. JR? Jeff, I was going to say, you know, just ask him, like it exposes, ask him to be consistent with his own values. If, he asked you, if you asked him if he believed that life began at conception, he would probably say, well, absolutely. If you asked many within the pro-life establishment if they believe life began at conception, they would say, absolutely. If you can say that, and think that statement is mean, you're exposing your bias. You're exposing your, your skewed view, your perverted view towards partiality, right? We're, we're saying these, these preborn neighbors have equal value in the eyes of God, but we are going to give them a different protection under the law. Mm -hmm. That is discrimination. It's partiality. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what I think is actually demonstrably harsh and mean is to engage in that kind of partiality mm. where you say, I know that it's human. I know that it's the unjustified taking of human life, but I don't want these human beings in the womb to be treated the same way as all other humans. That's called partiality. And I want to say that God indicts that in scripture and God would call that harsh and mean. It's harsh because it is, it is essentially discriminating and it's saying, I'm not going to give you the same, I'm not going to afford you the same love and protection as I will everyone else. I would say that's very harsh and I'd say it's extremely mean-spirited. Uh, and, and one more thing I want to say, in terms of being harsh and mean, if you're not honest with a person who's in front of you who's actually guilty of something, to call them to repentance and faith and to bring, them, to, to, bring to them Christ in the midst of that, I think it's very mean. I think it's very mean to essentially say to somebody who, who needs Christ, who needs his peace, who needs reconciliation, who needs forgiveness, to say to them, I'm going to withhold the call of the gospel, which comes, of course, solidly with a, a hit of the law of God. You're guilty. I'm going to withhold the law of God from you and the peace of Christ because I want your conscience to not feel overwhelmed with guilt and shame right now. I want you to feel like I really love you and that I empathize and that I'm in this with you. I want you to feel that. So I'm not going to come to you like Jesus would, or like say John the Baptist does in Matthew three to the guilty Jews of his day, where he tells them that judgment is coming. And he says to bear fruit, keeping with repentance. I'm not going to be like a John the Baptist. No, I'm going to be like someone 
who betrays you with a kiss, right? Who has ulterior motives, things that are they're in the back of their mind they're doing, but they're coming to you one way and they're they're kissing you and you know and 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 sort of like fluffing you up. Uh, that's exactly what what Judas is guilty of. I'm like rabbi, and he betrays him with a kiss. I don't want to betray these women with a kiss. Right? I don't want to flatter them and pretend like, you know, no, you don't really need Christ in this. No, you're a victim too. I want to say that all of these young women in our churches who may be engaging in, in, in sex outside of marriage and may have then the, I think, beautiful consequence of a child. I don't think that's a curse. That's still a gift from God in the midst of sin. Um, that's what I think babies are. Uh, they're a gift from God. Um, I, want to, I want to say in the midst of that, no, you're really guilty and don't murder your child. And I think that abortion should be seen in a nation that's been transformed by the gospel as a criminal act. You cannot kill another human being in an unjustified manner. That is through and through scripture, and it is not mean-spirited or harsh to say that to a person. You cannot take human life in an unjustified manner. That's not mean. It's not harsh. And so, JR, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say the there's, there's another reason, I think, even God-fearing brothers and sisters um, who aren't quite there yet on equal protection, um, are hesitant. Uh, I think part of them, I mean, any reasonable person would say, man, these last 50 years, women have been indoctrinated to believe this is a clump of cells. How can we just enforce the law and, you know, say like, even if they agree with equal protection at some point, they might feel that it's, un, it's, it's unloving or in, it's too harsh to do it overnight. Um, to which I would say, again, the same thing, the other issue we were having before with man's wisdom and how to fight this uh, abortion and this genocide altogether, we're now applying even on this where, you know, there's a cultural sin going on here where we have basically been telling women, because if, if, again, we go back into scripture, we, we know that it tells us that the law is a tutor. And so if the law is a tutor, Roe has been teaching our daughters and our, our, our wives for generations that, that these children don't have value. Um, but we don't turn around and soften the law or manipulate God's truth concerning value and um, just measures um, by watering it down. No, we need to go institute it, repent as a nation, repent as a people, um, and, and understand that, no, like law-abiding people are going to stop killing their babies overnight <laughs> when, when we outlaw abortion. Um, for those who, who love death, they're probably going to continue. And, and like you said earlier, Jeff, Maybe that does take place in, in back alleys. But, you know, to, to that point earlier, I was going to say, you know, it's like, where else do we make murder safer um, or try to clean it up? Like there's there's no other crime that we try to help the, the person um, who's who's performing it do it more successfully or in a cleaner light. Um, but that being said, you know, the this idea that we need to just slowly you know, re-communicate to women, or there's even bills here in Texas where they're just trying to educate women. And we're like, no, like you're, you're falling. It's the same fatal flaw. You're not trusting in the word of God. It is the power of God's word to transform hearts and minds. When we begin to use man's wisdom to manipulate the law uh, and to, to go around and not just trust him and his word, um, we're, you know, we're dead in the water. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no power in that. That's right. Well, and what's really troubling is when you pair the whole context of this with words, grace-giving community. 
what you're actually saying is we have the power to extend grace on this issue. And when it comes to murder, we humans, just regular people not involved in the law, (laughs) we don't have the ability to just cover that. Mm -hmm. So you're actually lying to those teenage girls. Mm -hmm. You're lying and saying, I know that makes you feel bad, but don't worry, I can forgive you without Mm -hmm. repentance. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not, no part of it is biblical and Mm -hmm. it's, it's a horrible lie. Yeah. And we've talked about this so many times on on this show and just elsewhere. We, we don't treat theft that way. We don't. Mm -hmm. How come I don't treat people who are guilty of theft this way? Well, and I'm sorry, but (laughs) this is, women are the reason why this is happening. Mm -hmm. The feminine, I mean, the sexual revolution and second wave feminism here you go. Mm-hmm. This is why it's happening. Women are not ignorant and they're not powerless. Mm-hmm. They're so, we have achieved such a, above and beyond equality that women are allowed to kill their babies mm-hmm. without any consequence. Yeah, with impunity. That's exactly right. I mean, it, to that point, Joy, like we've made mothers a special class of person um, to deem one life as valuable and another life as is invaluable um, or unvaluable. Uh, so again, as a culture, we've put that on women, empowered them to make this decision and they're living under the, the, the weight and guilt of that sin. And, and now we're, we're still not, even the Christians are not resolved enough to say, no, it is sin. Like the, the freedom, the relief comes in acknowledging it as, as such and, and trusting in Christ because his blood is sufficient, right? And his grace is, is, is sufficient um, for, to forgive us and to, to relieve us of that, that weight. That's right. So, JR, uh, quickly, what was the uh, end result of this day? What happened? So it, it was voted down, um, I mean, probably 95%. Very few voted in favor of it. As I mentioned, the, um, it was a tall order for us to, uh, in the way it was presented. I will say the leadership I put more weight on the leadership, even though they were, um, you know, they were accommodating at times with us and worked with us. Um, they, they weren't really helping us to convey or bring it in a proper light to where messengers knew what they were voting on. Um, so it was a very much, uh, uh, you know, a difficult situation, try to get it passed. So as much as I believe this is an indictment against the entire body of the SBTC, cause they voted this way. Uh, I don't want to over, you know, state that they knew really what they were voting on um, or, you know, I think our coming away from it, what we see is there's a thousand people who now have have held this, this, you know, pamphlet, this resolution, who had to actually entertain the idea of abolition. Um, there's pastors that heard debate. It's on record now. You guys are talking about it. Other pastors are having to talk about it. Uh, we're seeing this done around various states, uh, Arkansas, I think, uh, Missouri, Oklahoma. Um, so this is spurring on an awakening in the church. And I think that's what, um, you know, that's where we take confidence. I, I mentioned in another interview that, you know, I don't come away from this as like, oh my goodness, I can't believe these guys. Like what, like, you know, they're anathema, like we're done with them. Um, no, if anything, I come away grieved. You know, we, we went to this body of 
of people, not because we're trying to like, you know, invade and kind of take over and subvert this organization. No, like we believe these are brothers that embrace, you know, sola scriptura, that, 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 that believe in the errant word of God and the power of the word of God. We believe when we brought arguments that were, you know, substantiated by the text of, of the scriptures that we all cling to, um, we, we believe we would win them over. And so I don't leave away, I don't leave this, this, this convention um, disappointed. I mean, certainly a little disappointed, but more grieved that, you know, we run into battle and the guys you think that would be running with you are nowhere to be found. Right. <laughs> and so it's like, all right, Lord, I guess we need to go back and uh, rally the troops again. That's um, right. So I don't know. I'm prayerful. Um, I think this needs to happen across denominations that brothers and uh, need to be rising up to bring these discussions to various leaders. Uh, we need more pastors. Uh, we need more uh, people advocating for this truth because this is not, this is not going away. Um, and it is, there, there is no neutrality. Um, and the only true answer that we're, that we're going to find is when we finally humble ourselves and trust in the word of God and the power of his word to change the hearts and minds of, of this nation, of our state. Um, you know, and, and Lord willing, one day we'll see the end of this, this mass genocide here. Yes, we will, in brother. In our state and in our country. That's right, brother. All right, brother, where can people go to take a look at that resolution? So the resolution, we actually have, um, you can find it on abolishabortiontx.org. Um, we also have uh, another website for the uh, Southern Baptist of Texas. And I'm, I should have known you were going to ask me <laughs> mm -hmm. the, uh, the website. SBT. Yeah, it's sbtaa.org. And that is, uh, yeah, Southern Baptist of Texas against, uh, for abolishing abortion. Okay, uh, brother. So there. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us on such late, late notice as well today. Thank you for your time, brother. Absolutely. Hey, God bless you guys. God bless Thanks, you. Bro. Thank you. All right. So there you go, guys. Hopefully the show was a benefit to everybody today. Um, did you want to do that? We, we're over time, I think. Did you want to do that? Did you want to show it? Uh, I know. We're way over time. Okay. So. All right. So maybe next week uh, we'll talk about Bah Humbug in Moscow, Idaho. <laughs> Uh, so everybody, uh, make sure you go to endabortionnow.com. Go there, get signed up with your church, get your free resources, get your free training, get connected, get everything you need to go out and start saving lives. Thousands and thousands and thousands of children are alive today because Christians just like you were listening to a show just like this and then went to endabortionnow.com. Their church got signed up and babies were saved in two weeks, literally in two weeks from when they listened to the show to where they signed up and they got all their resources. They went out, they preached the gospel. They offered help. They offered hope. They offered love to these women and uh, God blessed it. And so we want the same thing for you. Make sure you guys also go get your free Bonson U account at apologiastudios.com. Do it right after this show. You are going to be missing out on some of the best training you can get in history, theology, philosophy, apologetics, ethics, all of that. Much less for free. For free and it shouldn't be for free <laughs> uh, when i say it shouldn't be i'm talking about the time the investment where it came from you understand people paid for this all before when they were going to school with bonson they were paying to go to seminary to listen to these lectures you're getting it all for freezies and it's the best of the best of the best mm -hmm. i would recommend all of bonson you and all those lectures for pastors to train up and coming pastors uh, more than i would uh recommend 99 percent of seminaries out there and i mean that i'm not just saying it because we we house it 
I mean that sincerely. What you're going to get in terms of training and resources through this uh, this program at Bonson U and everything that's there, it's it's far, 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 it far, far exceeds what you're going to get in the majority of seminaries today. And I, I mean that. Um, so that is Luke the Bear. Um, before we close, today is nine years. Well, this week, nine years. Woo! Nine years of Apologia Radio. So. Started I always at, remember it's always the first week of December. Started so. at an old, wow. uh, little old radio little. station downtown Phoenix, 24th Street and Camelback. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is that right? 24th yep. Street and Camelback. We were playing terrestrial all over Arizona, but we were also uh, uploading it, and that's where you guys started to learn about it and get blessed by it. So praise the Lord. Thank, thank you, God, for your grace to us. Joy the girl. Yeah. I'm Jeff the Coleman Ninja. By the way, go check out the devotionals that we have at Apologia Studios on this YouTube channel. Yeah. Hope it's a blessing. It was so much work. Thank you to our team for all that they did to do this. Uh, It's been uh, an encouragement to a lot of people. Hope it's a blessing to you and your family. 25 days devotional. You can just turn it on, sit with your family, go through a short thing on a particular verse from scripture. Uh, We're grateful to God that we got to do that. Make sure you do that today. And we'll catch you next time right here on Apologia Radio. 